Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show. Are you ready to be inspired? Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Tim, and I'm so glad you can join me today as you are living your life and heading toward your emerging future. Hopefully, you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So yeah, this is episode 86. I'm glad you can drop in. Have a great guest today, Mary Shores. I'll tell you a little bit more about her here in a moment. But I want to tell you something really cool. So um, the other day, my daughter had uh, a thing at school, and it's called the Author's Tea. Sounds so elegant, doesn't it? The Author's Tea. And um, and anyways, it's like the, they write these stories and then they get to illustrate books and the school goes all out because they have volunteers that come in and they make covers and so forth. And I'm going to post one on our social channel where you can see my daughter holding up one of her books. But what was cool about it, you know, they give them this bookmark. They have this little snack thing. So I went to it. I wasn't sure, you know, like I knew she made it, but I didn't know they had a little event. So like the in the morning, the morning of, they were like, oh, I have author's teen. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to go to that. So I went and um, it was really cool. They had a little snack for them and they were recognized. They were given their little bookmark that, you know, says I'm an author, published author, you know, at the school they go to and whatnot. And I was, I was like, that's so cool, right? And um, and then her book, I got to read her book that she wrote and, you know, it's a short little story, but just seeing what these kids do in their imaginations. And I think, you know, um, that's one of the most scariest things for me in the times that we live. Um, and the older I get, when I see people my age or older, or even coming up that they're not using their own imagination and creativity. Um, that's why I love the book walking on water by Madeline Langle. And, um, but high creativity is like so important. So, you know, she's excited, man. She wrote this book. She illustrates the pages, you know, like a kid does. So I find out she not only had one, she, she's done it. So she's in the second grade, but she made the author's tea in first grade and kindergarten. But then I started realizing like, this is like serious. This, she's got a writing skill. So anyways, I sent some pictures to my mom. I took pictures of my daughter holding up her book and um, one's called The Sneaky Children, <laughs> which is awesome. And another one's The Pecoraro Castle. And uh, she writes about um, this castle that her family lives in. And um, so I thought that was really cool. So I sent pictures to my mom and my mom was like, oh, wow, thank you. So she FaceTimes my daughter in the evening and she's like, Eden, you beat your papa. Uh, and writing a book, and that's be- and it just pricked my heart because even while I was at the event, I was sitting there, I was looking, and I was going, "Man, like my daughter is writing more than I am. Like I have these books, but I get hung up on all the wrong things." And um, which I'm making progress with. Um, after I realized for a long time I was writing the right book, but it was for the wrong time, and now I'm writing the right book at the right time. And I'm hopefully going to have it finished by the end of this year. But it was really neat because here's my mom telling my daughter that, hey, look at you, you're you're doing it. You're writing your stories. And so it really inspired me that, you know what, these there are people that, you know, when you look around, especially like kids and you see what they do. And as adults, we need to just really allow ourselves to tap into that imagination and and stop getting stuck in just the world of rules and, and just being busy, but maybe even not productive or just doing a whole bunch of stuff, you know, and things that, you know, aren't bringing our unmistakable brilliance and creativity and our uniqueness out of us. Like what are the things that we could do? Um, and so, you know, for me, it's a book, you know, I've written songs, I've done all kinds of things, but man, my, my Achilles heel, it seems can be this book. But anyways, I am making progress. But I wanted to share that story just to just inspire all of you to, you know, you know, open yourself up. What's in you that you maybe need to bring out and that you need to actually do? And it doesn't matter if it's published. Like I don't need a big publishing 
you know, house to carry my book. I don't need to make the New York Times bestseller. I don't need to be, you know, the Amazon, you know, I just need to know that at the end of my days, wherever I get, when I get to that point that I don't realize that if I'm leaving this earth and I'm no longer here, that I took the book with me. I don't want to do that. I want to leave the book here. So, um, that's a big, big thought. Maybe one day I'll talk more about that and how I see that. But anyways, the author's tea, my daughter published, and that's whose voice you hear in the beginning and the end of the podcast. Um, amazing young lady who inspires me all the time as all my children do. So, um, anyways, episode 86, um, with Mary Shores. Um, she's an incredible, incredible guest. She, um, she's an author, she's a speaker and entrepreneur. Um, she generates positivity. Um, and she, she's just very pragmatic in her solutions and her approach for people who are, as she puts it, freaking out. Uh, Mary will blend her personal experiences with her extensive knowledge of neuroscience and human behavior to guide businesses and individuals to defeat the freak out and create their ideal life. And her story is very, very, very amazing. The way she discovered things from an encounter at a Tony Robbins event, think two things that changed her and impacted her. And then also just going through a devastating divorce, the loss of a child, and then having an autistic son, a teenager, and, um, and then trying to manage a very demanding business. So she has a lot of value that she can add and will add as you listen in today. Always remember, if you want to be a guest on the show, go to the website, uphillconversations.co, and um, there's a form there right by as you scroll down a little bit, you'll see, you know, submit um, or be a guest on the show. Click on there, fill out the information, send it on. Or if you know someone that you think would add value to the audience, the listeners, and has a great uphill story in ways that they show up in the world, that would be awesome. Please do so. Also, continue supporting, which the show is doing amazing right now. I mean, just amazing. And um, with no extra marketing, no extra anything, it's just happening. And I love it. And so um, that's just being consistent and um, bringing on great guests, I guess. So and timing, you know, who knows, but go to iTunes Stitcher and just type in um, uphill conversations. And then also on Mondays, remember, I just started releasing um, what I call hashtag TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. And it's little snippets to give you some motivation and inspiration for your week. And if you'd like to learn more about how I show up into the world every day with my work and the things that I do, go to the website uphillstrategies.co. And I think you notice everything is uphill because you can't go uphill with downhill habits. So that's what I'm all about. So let's, um, without any further delay, let's jump into this wonderful conversation um, with my guest, Mary Shores. Welcome to the show, Mary. How's things in your world and what's going on? Things are pretty good in my world. I'm getting ready to leave on a meditation retreat in a couple of days and looking forward to that very, very much. Tell us a little bit more in the audience just about you. Like how you're showing up and just the things that you are saying right now are the priorities according to how you're living your day to day. So I'm a person that became a CEO at a very young age when I was only 24 and really came from nothing. I mean, I had been out of my own since I was 16 and really had very little guidance and no resources whatsoever. And so I think that people have a lot of fascination in that space of how was I able to come from this place of nothing and turn it around to start a business at such a young age and turn it into a success over time and create things that most people in the world don't even think to create. And so I've just been able to focus on that business. And then over time, just like my own personal growth and development, which started with like personal growth. And then I think you take that so far and it turns into spiritual growth. And then, so I feel like what, what I have to bring to the table is just a person that has 20 years of 
business experience as an entrepreneur, plus 20 years of personal growth experience, and then another 10 years of pretty deep spiritual experience. And so the result of that is really being able to talk about things such as entrepreneurial leadership and what that looks like and and how to sort of get there, because we're all starting from somewhere trying to get somewhere. And I can really excel in just meeting people where they're at and helping them just raise themselves and make the pivots through the journey that is going to ultimately, you know, lead them to where they need to go. So your core, your core focus, which I love that, that you, you know, personal, personal growth is one of those things. Like if I go to, you know, a teenage, I remember if I, okay, I'll just go say it was me. If I was a teenager and someone says, Hey, let's focus on your personal growth. I'm like, well, I am growing, right? Like you're, you, you're not, you're, you it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I like how you, it wasn't your ambition to just say, this is what I'm pursuing. You discovered it, right? You were on the pathway of doing your life and you discovered personal growth as something that was absolutely necessary and important. So, in your mind, when you think of personal growth and you think of that discovery and that process, like what awakened, you know, inside of you, because you were 24 years old and you started out, you know, in this business, you know, you were, you know, you're, you're running a company, you're starting a business at 24. You know, I don't know many 24 year olds that can actually, you know, just step out and do that. What happened with you? You know, or what it was there anything like some sort of significant event, something that took place? What hit you that said, I need to be growing as well, not just building a business? So this did not all happen simultaneously. I mean, the part about personal growth, you know, I think I was doing the actions of growing, but didn't start to study it until a little bit more down the road. But I think I just had this um, operating system that was always leading me from one thing to the next to the next. And so starting a business, you know, the, the trigger event from that wasn't some sort of glorified sense of ambition or wanting to make it to the top. It was actually quite the opposite because I had been, I had not completed college. I felt like that my peers were going to have this like great, wonderful life, the American dream. And I was going to be left behind because I had this lack of having an education. And so in my mind, my belief system was if you wanted to have the great career, you had to have the great education. And so to solve that quote unquote perceived problem, I decided to start my own business because I felt like that I would be able to control my own outcome, so to speak. And of course that's true, but I can't really say I knew it at the time. And then what happened next was just really creating a uh, workflow in my life or daily practice of doing whatever came up in the day. And there wasn't a lot of planning to it. There wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of thoughtfulness into goals or planning or st- being strategic or any of that. But I think that I still must have had something, some kind of fire inside that was keeping me going or else why, how would I have even had the courage and the guts to do something like that? Now, there was a particular point in that genesis, right, of your going into business that you were doing the business in. I think this is really cool because, you know, just for me, this is just, this is like a cool thing. You started a business and it was a collection agency. And then you had this engagement where, or this opportunity where you saw an event and Tony Robbins was speaking. What happened to you in that space? Like what, what was going on? What took place in you? And I want to know that, but I also would like to, you know, if you would share with the listeners, like, how did you land on a collection agency? (laughs) Like, how did you, how did you get there first? I went to the collection agency because I, my parents had owned a collection agency when I was younger. And so in my head, I thought that made me an expert, but it obviously didn't, but that was sort of what I knew. 
and a couple of places where I had relationships where I could get started. So for me, it wasn't even really about the kind of business I wanted to start, but I had just known ever since I was a little girl that I was somebody who wanted to run a business. So when other kids were playing house in the neighborhood, I was playing bank. So there was something there inside my heart that really wanted to pursue or was really excited by the idea of business. And, you know, collections is a financial business. And I had wanted to early on take a sales approach to collections because I just had an understanding that people can only do what they can do, you know, kind of like can't get blood out of a turnip type right. of a thing. Right. And really the, the industry, the collections industry in general is a very, there's just negative stigma to that and rightly so. So I thought, well, I'll take a sales approach and I'll sell people on the idea of paying their debt. And that didn't really work. And the reason it didn't work was because it wasn't touching the real issue at heart when we talk about money, which is actually more to do with the shame and the unworthiness that a person feels when they have a debt. So this is hitting them at a very subconscious level and in even affecting their very identity as a person. And so when I went to Tony Robbins in 2005, I left there with kind of learning two principles that I thought were intriguing to me. One was what you focus on grows. And the other one was always know your outcome. And when I got back to my office the following week, I just, I don't know what happened. I just looked at the phone and I had this aha moment and I said out loud, I want the next person who calls to be happier at the end of the call than they were at the beginning of the call. And then because I was focused on that customer's happiness, it sort of led me or massaged my mind to come up with the ideas that would later become this entire communication strategy that I developed and which has changed everything because it not only became a way that I ran my business, but people use it as a way of life. But what you're saying is, though, it is about life, right? Because money is, it is like very center or central and core to how people show up. Like it's how they feel. Like you're saying that there's shame that people have. The reason they don't want to talk about these things, they don't want to discuss it. Maybe they're embarrassed about a situation. Maybe they put themselves in the hole, right? It's not that someone else did it, but I love those two points that you made that you know, what you focus on grows, but the other thing is control your outcomes, right? Like you got to do the best you can to steer it in the right direction. So adopting that approach, like how big of a shift did you see when it came to engaging people in that manner? Well, it changed absolutely everything because you're taking, you're taking people from a place of disempowerment and de, you know where they are feeling dehumanized and demoralized and you're putting them in a place of empowerment because my mission is that I want people to feel good about paying their debt because having a debt is a psychological burden and it's a burden that gets builds a brick wall between people and living the life of their dreams and really the 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 strategy the communication strategy has nothing to do with money whatsoever i mean money is just the business that i happen to work in but it really has nothing to do about money it has to do with the way that the human brain works and the way that the nervous system works and understanding triggers understanding that words have the power to make people feel good and feel heard and and like you were saying in our little pre-call chat, like getting their needs met versus making people feel dehumanized, or I can't even speak today, (laughs) like, you know, demoralizing them, dehumanizing them, making them feel a sense of desperation that there's something somehow inherently wrong with them. And, and that speaks to their identity of themselves. And so whether that's about debt or whether it's about weight or whether it's about relationships, it's still the same thing because we're humans and, you know, really money is just a made up thing. And I think that the paradigm shift of money is, is, um, in this aspect of where I'm hoping that we can see change is necessary because I was thinking even recently, like when I was a kid, I used to love to play the game of Monopoly and, I think we all know how you win at Monopoly. You have to bankrupt all the other players. Right. Well, how, 
what kind of metaphor is that for like our <laughs> corporate culture? Like the way we win is we bankrupt all of our friends. Yeah. I think it needs to change. It's time to, to it's time to, to stand up and, and say like the new leadership paradigm needs to be the way we win is when everybody wins. I love that. And so that moves things into more of being conscious about your communication and what you're communicating, right? So, I mean, everyone communicates, but very few people connect. And it seems like, and it appears like, the significance of your work as well as the success of your work, you know, there is that connection component to how you're communicating in a conscious way because you're moving it beyond like, you know, putting it or relegating it to one area or one, you know, it's not just money. It's not just people. It's not just a thing, right? It's not just this thing. It's, it's everything. And what if we could get better at communicating? So if we could, let's talk about that. Like, was there something in you beyond just the, you know, what happened in this world of finance and what you saw and how people, you know, felt this with money, what lessons did you learn and evidence did you gather that helped you like move into this work of being a conscious communicator and conscious communication? Well, I want to make it very clear that the book Conscious Communications is not about communications, like in the way that I'm, I'm feeling you might be describing it. Conscious Communications is a personal development book that is all about understanding. It's, un, it's understanding like not just the power of our words, but just how every choice we make. So every word we say, every action we take, everything we say, everything we do, every choice in every thin sliced moment is either creating a deeper connection to what we want or it's driving a disconnection. And so with that being said, um, it's really just about understanding that we are creating our lives in all of the small moments that happen every single day and that you can get in control of those things by becoming aware, like, you know, awareness of your choices is really what I say the keys to freedom. Because like, if we're kind of, we, we need to understand that the majority of what our behaviors are doing is running on a program. Right. And so when we understand that you're the person who, who runs the program, then you can begin to understand how to change that. But we feel like we're just doing things and it's very natural. But the truth is, it's running on a set of neural networks that is in our subconscious mind. And so there's a, there's a very specific way and steps you can take that can change, change literally everything in your life based on how you are applying your choices to your world. Okay. So I think we're on the same page and I think I probably, cool. I miss, yeah, I probably didn't say it as well as you, um, redirected it. <laughs> so, um, but still, I think the thing that I'm trying to bring out is for me, in everything that I've been able to read, because I did not read the book, I, I don't have a copy of it yet. I'm gonna, I'll, I will get one, and and I read a lot of different things. But the stuff that you put out there, even still, in all of what we're saying with our choices and our decisions, they are a means and an avenue of communicating what's really going on inside of us. Is that true? Do you? I agreed. Yes. Okay. So. Even in those decisions, right? So I have thinking, I have feeling, I have a decision I make, I take an action, and ultimately I get an outcome. So I tell people T plus F plus D plus A equals outcome. Can you own it at the end of the day? Can you own it? Whether whether it worked the way you wanted to or not, can you own it? And that goes to that second point or that principle that you learned you know, when you said that your awakening or a moment of awakening that you had or, you know, one of them with Tony Robbins was controlling your outcomes, doing your best to do that. It does communicate. Your decisions speak. And so from even from a spiritual side as well as a neuroscience side, that's what we need to be able to allow to be on display a little bit more because there's a there's a deeper clarity in communication that comes from us from what we allow to be seen. 
And some people are not allowing a lot of stuff to come out or to be seen because maybe they don't know how it's going to be received or perceived. It's a person being able to say, I'm making these decisions consciously and it's going to communicate. Now, I know that maybe that's not the premise of exactly what your book is, but I'd love your feedback on when a person decides and what they communicate that there's a message coming from them based on their decisions. It is going out there. They do communicate, but there's a greater probability of connection as to where this person really is or where they stand. And you can actually learn from that information. So how can a person like literally improve that, you know, experience for others as well as themselves as you know, when it comes to, um, just simple decision making, it making in in the, as you said, even like people, just the debt and how you, you know, I think it's amazing that you took away the shame of, you know, you turned it into pay your debt, right? People feel you want them to feel good about paying it. It communicates something. How do you help people with understanding that? How do you turn that into a positive instead of a negative? How do you help people with, even in relationship, do that? Whether it's just your friend or someone that you encounter, it's in a business situation. How can you help people better understand that? Well, I've got, so every chapter in Conscious Communications has a coaching exercise and the coaching exercises are all designed to like stack up on top of each other. And I think that one really, really easy one to share, give give people just a taste of how they can get in control of these decisions and be conscious about the direction they're moving in their life is to understand the principle of cleanse or clog. So that's chapter five in the book. It's called to cleanse or clog. That is the question. And it's really understanding that I think we live in a time in our in our space and our culture that we believe wholeheartedly that infinite possibilities exist for all of us. And the thing becomes like, what does infinite possibilities really mean? Because I think that the average person looks at the word possibility and then makes this assumption that that means good things, that that means I'm going to reach my highest potential. When the truth is that possibilities really is a spectrum of where anything can happen. So it becomes a question of how do I connect myself to the things that I'm desirable in my life? life and the things that I want to have happen versus swirling in the chaos of uncertainty and despair and crazy making and the things that I don't want. Because all the time we spend our lives focusing on everything that we don't want. And so cleanser clog is just a really simple way that will turn your possibilities into probabilities. And it kind of goes like this. It's understanding that Every choice you're making is either creating a connection or a disconnection, and I call that cleanse or clog. So if I were to say this, like if I'm on a diet and I want to lose 20 pounds, all I really need to do instead of say, trying to learn a complicated system like keto or paleo or just something that's going to be not sustainable for me over time. But trust my intuition that I can look at a piece of food and I can just simply ask myself the question, if I put this food in my body, will it cleanse me or will it clog me? And so it's easy to look at, say, an apple and realize if I put this apple in my body, it's going to cleanse me. But if I put a Snickers bar or a bag of potato chips inside my body, that's going to be a clog. And then you can understand that over time, if you're making cleansing connected choices, you're going to be moving towards your goal. Because like we're, we also talk in terms of alignment a lot of times these days. And alignment means when we have our thoughts, our words, our actions, our choices, and our behaviors all moving in the direction of what we want. And so if we're talking about this cleanser clog recipe in terms of relationships, it's easy to see the same thing that everything I say, everything I do, every word that I speak, every choice that I make in my relationship with my significant other or with my child or with my friend is either cleansing that relationship or clogging it. And you can take it deeper to say, how am I cleanser clogging my career or my finances or my spiritual growth or, you know, even just, you know, my mind, my body, it's, it's really very, very useful. And it's simple enough to where we don't have to invest in complicated concepts that confuse us. This is simple. Any 10 year old could understand, 
you know, doing more what's good for you and less of what's bad for you. And you don't have to be perfect with it. So I have an 80-20 rule that just says, I know if 80% of the time I'm making cleansing connected choices that I am going to get there. You know what I love is that is like so simple, but yet profound and brilliant. <laughs> like I'm just sitting here and I'm going, I'm just going to let you know I'm hijacking what you just said. <laughs> cleansing connected choices. I just think that is just great. Like, and you're right. It's something that it's attainable. You can, it, it can meet any aspiration, I think, you know, and you know, it, even when you said possibilities, you know, what was it? Possibilities into probabilities. Is yes. That, turning possibilities yeah, into probabilities. Like, wow. Like I'm just sitting here and I'm just, um, you know, you know, give me some latitude here for a second, but I'm just like, wow, that's just, that is so rich and it's so, it's attainable and you can, you can actually do this and is it cleansing or clogging? But you said something prior to that, you don't, it, and it was, um, I don't remember exactly the way you said it, but it was around the idea of uncertainty you know, um, and, and this is not, you know, and I promise you, I'm not asking you this question as a way to, it's not a debate for me. I just, I'm very open. I'm a growth mindset person. Okay. So I like to look at it and go, I, I think that most people miss the best parts of the probabilities because they won't allow themselves to for even a season or a period of time to sit on the seat of uncertainty to learn. What are your thoughts on that? About well, I know that my own personal journey, I mean, whether it's my journey as an entrepreneur, as a mother, as a writer, you know, it's been not a graceful one. And that the, the um, places, I, I would say that it's been a very uncomfortable journey. And I think that uncertainty is a place that, that when I'm in that kind of space, I feel confused. I feel sometimes like I'm in a hole and I can't see. And so I think that the word uncertainty could have uh, many different definitions depending on the person who is, who is thinking about it at the time. But I think that clarity is more powerful than uncertainty. And so I know that one of the things that I'm really into is helping people create their next breakthrough through connections, empowerment, and clarity. Now, that doesn't mean that uncertainty doesn't have its place because, you know, if you think of uncertainty as an uncomfortable time in life, then it's because of those un uncomfortable times that you grow. But the trick is that the way that you don't swirl in the despair of the uncertainty is that you, you're in the uncertainty and you use it to take a step in a new direction. So, okay, so if, if you were to say to someone, and I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, so, you know, there's a person like a lot of people feel very uncertain, like we're even on, you know, I mean, let's just go to pol politics. I'm not a, I don't, you know, I don't get into all that with people. I have my beliefs, you know, but I don't force them on anyone else. But so many people just feel like we're surrounded by all of this uncertainty, right? You even said that you don't have the prettiest picture, right? Of It's not the best illustration. This is my paraphrase, paraphrasing of what you said of, you know, just your life and your experience. And, you know, it's not just been all, you know, glory to glory. It's just not, it's just not, it didn't turn out. It's not been that way for you. That's not the way it's, you know, happened. So the reality is when people are sitting in the seat of uncertainty, but yet they want that clarity, right? And in that spot where you said that it even uncertainty has its place, right? It's going to be a part of the timeline of everybody's existence. You know, for you, what, you know, what are things that you did? What disciplines did you employ? What did you import? What did you learn to help you move from the seat of uncertainty into the clarity? Like, how do you help a listener right now? How can you share your wisdom, the things that you've been able, you know, to gather the evidence for yourself to move from the theory 
of it can be better to the certainty with evidence that it is better. How do you make that movement? Well, there's so many, so many ways and, and it never has to be difficult, but I think that understanding the power of words is a really good start. So my, my own journey, like, I'll just tell you a brief story when for about 10 years, I really wanted to write a book and I would go around and I would say to anybody who would listen to me almost as if it was my personal mantra, I want to write a book, but I'm not a writer. And the thing is that words are like a mirror to our subconscious programming. And when you hear me say the words, I want to write a book, it's as if you can see those words written on my soul that I've come into this life with this purpose of writing this book and getting this information out to the masses. But I have a really big problem in life when the next words out of my mouth are, but I'm not a writer, because those words are also revealing something from my subconscious. It's revealing a belief system that somewhere, somehow, I really didn't believe that I had the capabilities of writing a book. And so before I was going to do anything, I needed to change that belief. And so the way that you do that, the way that you begin to make change, there's so many ways. But in this particular story, what I did was I invested in myself. And any time that we invest in ourselves, we're going to see a return on that investment. So I went to a writer's workshop and I spent a week at this writer's workshop. And at the end of the week, I wrote a short, a short story that was all about my daughter who passed away in 1993 of a traumatic brain injury. Uh, it was about my son on the autism spectrum and just living a life of um, total uncertainty with a child that there is no rule book and feeling very, very alone as a single mother doing that. And then it was also about my roller coaster journey as an entrepreneur. And when I read that story to the class, no one laughed at me, no one criticized, no one came up and said, Mary, you are so not a writer. In fact, it was just the opposite. People were coming up in tears over what I had read to them. And they wanted copies of it. They wanted to know more. And so it was in that moment that my subconscious brain saw the evidence that I needed that would then change my words, which would eventually then change my thoughts, which changes my beliefs, which changes my actions and my choices, which eventually led to me having a book deal with the most amazing publisher on the planet, Hay House Publishing. And so that's just like one demonstration of how you can change your outcome to step out of that uncertainty is first the awareness. So in this case, I used words as an example of how you can gain the awareness. And then second is taking action in a new direction. You know, I often say, if you just take one step in a new direction, the universe or God or whatever you believe in is like it will come and meet you halfway. And so whether that's your own intuition, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The, 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 what matters is that the phenomenon is real and that we've all experienced it. And so there's, there's many other ways. Another, like one of my favorite daily practices right now is, um, working on my daily desires diary, which, and this is a great, you know, cause a lot of your listeners may say that's great, Mary, you know, I, I don't want to write a book, but it's not just about that. It's how often do we say, you know, I want to start a business, but I don't have the funds or I don't have the resources. I want to lose weight, but I don't have access to a gym. It's always, we, we state our desire and then we say the, but excuse afterwards, which cuts us off from ever creating that reality. So the daily desires diary is just a quick and easy daily practice that anybody can do. You don't even need anything but a pen and a piece of paper. And you're just going to say every single day. Um, you're going to write this down, three things that you're grateful for, for that day, three things that you're proud of in that day, and three things you desire. And what you're doing is when you, when you take five minutes to just journal those three pieces of information, you're creating seeds in your subconscious mind. And that doing this as a daily practice, it's going to water those seeds. And those seeds are going to grow into neural networks. And it's those neural networks that really are the driving force to lead you to what you want. And so what it does is it gives you five minutes of space where you're focused on what you want instead of focusing on what you don't want. I'm like... I'm so moved by what you said. So, I mean, I'm just, 
Um, wow. First of all, thank you for your authenticity and even sharing your story. And, you know, your daughter, your son, being a single mom, you know, I grew up with a single mom for a very long time. And my family, you know, line is just a mess. Okay. And I'm just very moved by that. So thank you so much, first of all, for being real. I just want to say thank you. Okay. So let me say that first. The second thing that I like is, you know, the fact that, you know, you, you allowed yourself to go through the process of discovering something and, and being in the, and, and discovery is so important, but it's not just discovery. Discovery requires a process. And, you know, you're talking about this daily desires diary and, and writing these things down. You know, I like to tell people nothing listens better than a blank piece of paper. You know, you can sit down with a blank piece of paper, write out whatever is going on, and then come back to it later, and the paper will talk back to you. Different than a human, different than a person. It helps you to see what you wrote because you're really connected to it if you're writing it out. Even if you're not conscious, you know, you're not thinking about it consciously, you know, you're writing. You're just putting it out there. And then you're putting a demand on your desire because you're writing about the things you said. I think, was it number three you, you talked about desire? Was that correct? Am I the yeah, third I one? Think it's, I think it's important. So the reason that this is so powerful as a daily practice is, you know, I've studied things like everything. I mean, you name it, I've studied it the Hermetica, the Kabbalion, you know, the, the early works in the 1800s and the early 1900s about new thought and think and grow rich and all of these, all of these things. And it really boils down to the more time you spend focusing on every day of what you want your life to be like more so than you are drowning in the disparages of what is happening. Some interesting things are happening in your subconscious mind. So for number one, you're creating dopamine and serotonin and that chemistry is what we know as the happiness hormones. And so you're creating a, you're creating a great balance of hormones in your mind, which are going to make you feel better, but you're also stimulating certain areas of your brain that help you take action as well as there's actual problem solving areas of your brain. So there's a lot of great studies and research going on. I'm a total neuroscience geek. So this is how I know what makes change because, you know, people can come up with their hokey pokey woo woo ideas all day long, but you can't argue with neuroscience. No, you can't. And um, and I'm a neuroscience geek as well. And I'm just, I mean, I still go back to this. And so once again, I know, you know, this is, this is literally our first time connecting. And I told you in the beginning, you know, I'm, I let the conversation unfold, stuff like that. So, and I'm a real person. I like to feel, I like to think and, um, and I appreciate the latitude in this conversation. Um, what what's amazing to me is most people listening to what you're saying, you would seem like the exception to the rule because most people think the rule is that all these things have happened to me. What would you say to them? Well, I think in many ways I am the exception to the rule. And I think that the reason that that is true is the difference between, say, me and all the other 5,000 people at the Tony Robbins event that day is implementation. You know, like what if the only missing thing is we hear these concepts and they're great because nothing, nothing amazing has to be difficult. You know, this Daily Desires Diary, it's simple. It's simple. Cleanser Clog is simple. But the difference between me and everybody else is I actually do it. I actually do it. It's discipline. I, I do it. I, I um, do the things that I commit to doing. And, and if you can just switch from a wannabe to a doer, 
then that's really, you know, the magic happens in the smallest pivots. It's not like we're all looking, you know, the, the other part of this is like, we're looking for these instant transformational systems, like go to, go to this event, tra- have a transformation in a weekend. And I would do that. And I would always feel so let down, like I had failed at my date with destiny. And all the other people around me would be really rah-rah and like, oh, my life has changed. And I'm like, well, I'm the same person. I don't feel any different. What's up with me? I'm a failure. And then what I realized was that a month later, those people, they hadn't changed at all. They were just riding on the euphoria of the event because they're removed from their day-to-day circumstances. You know, they don't have notifications going off. They're not around their children. They're essentially on a brain break at this event, having a great time with a lot of like-minded people. And so, but that's not a reality that we live in. And so the, the truth is that real transformation, real breakthroughs happen in small pivots over time. And there's things, you know, we try something for five days, it doesn't work, so we quit. Hmm. And maybe I'm just 10% more committed. So I, I mean, I think that the listeners saying, okay, she's the exception, there's some truth to that. And, and I want everyone to be the exception. Let's create everyone being the exception. So that, that leads into a great place because you said something so powerful, <laughs> you know, failed with your date to destiny. <laughs> Like, you know, I was like, I'm just sitting there and I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're like the girl that went to school in the prom dress and still nobody asked you to go. Like, you know, that's what it feels like, you know? Like, it's a good way to describe it. Yeah. And I'm like, like, wow. And once again, that just, you know, for those of you listening, you guys know me on this podcast and you know how I am when it comes to transparency and authenticity. This is like a real moment of that. And so, you know, Mary, thank you for saying that because you are the exception to the rule. And my question was, you know, people are going to view you that way. And I love how you answered that. Like, you know what? I am. That is a declarative statement. That is a person who is speaking from a place of resolve and not regret. And you're saying more people can do that. And what would you say to someone who says that's you because you you're just this person that lives in a woo-woo mentality? Well, if anyone ever said that to me, they clearly have never met me. But um, <laughs> but you understand what I mean, right? Like you know, yeah, I mean, well, it's I just... think that I I could do the same thing. Like if I looked at somebody who's got say ultra success, I might be like, oh, you know, these are these belief systems that we we install in our head. Like oh, they came from money or or they came from something else. But what are you going to do when I say no? You know, I was homeless at sixteen. What are they going to do when they say, well, you did? I mean, what what did I have? I had nothing. I had literally nothing. And I just, you know, I know that I, I, a few weeks ago I was in Chicago and I got, I was filmed in this documentary about resilience. And I know that you're not keen on the word because it's a buzzword, but there, there's a depth to the word resilience that this thing is called the global resilience project. And she picked 50 people from around the world that had, displayed this resilience in their life and that they were thriving in the face of unspeakable tragedy and terrors in their past. And this was everything from amputees to, I mean, it was just one of the other participants was like a person that lost everything after a bout of meningitis. Um, But here's the thing. She studied all of these people and she came up with the patterns And so I think that what I have to offer to humanity is to say, here are the things that worked. So if you're down and out, and I understand that, you have a choice in this moment. Can you just commit to saying, I'm going to be grateful today for something, even if that something is the air that you breathe? I feel like I was watching a motivational video or something this morning of somebody that was a paraplegic. And he's now back on the top of his game. And he literally started with a gratitude practice of just saying, I'm, I'm just grateful I can move my finger. And from that, it just grew. But the, the power, what we don't understand or what the average person doesn't understand is that we are powerful beyond belief. And like all of the hurdles, none of the hurdles that you've ever had in life are more powerful than the person you are. Mm. And that power 
can, when you tap into it, can get you out of any mess. It's a lot of it has to do with perception. A lot of it just, you know, creating a practice that is just a little bit better than what it is today. Mm. You know, Mary, I know you said you're not a coach, but I'm just telling you, I would let you collect a debt for me any day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying like you're, um, you know, the original word like inspire, inspiration, it comes from the word, it's a Greek word and it means to breathe in. And inspiration is a breathing in. Aspiration is your exhale. And like what you're dropping right now and what you're putting out there is so good for people to breathe in. It is unbelievably refreshing. And I know it's cost you a lot. And what I like is that you've you've banked on yourself you have and a lot of pe- a lot of times when you say that to someone um you know people think that's like like a selfish statement it's not it's saying i want to be better i want to show up more everything i hear from you is not about what you get you're speaking more of su- significance not success and there are too many people that are pursuing success. Now, success looks different for all of us. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So what I tell people is what would, what would, what would speak to you to feel significant regardless of your condition, your upbringing, any race, you know, color, creed, anything. Religion, what would help you to be significant? Because in my mind, and I would like to get your point of view on this, I feel like significance should be in first position, like you being significant, you being valuable, your belief, your unmistakable you showing up. Because 99.9% of our DNA is exactly the same. Only 0.1% is the difference. So how do we continue to shift that decimal point, you know, and add to that 0.1% and move it over one position to the right? And then another day, another position to the right and another day. And we continue to see it grow. That becomes unmistakably us. Because then based on our definition of what success looks like, I think that success follows significance. I know a lot of successful people who don't feel significant. And they they can make a lot of money. They have a lot of notoriety. They're cele- they have celebrity. But man, they feel useless. What's your thought? What is your thought on your pursuit and maybe that order even? Maybe uh, my thought is that it's all about purpose and that purpose has become this big P word that's living behind a curtain of a thing we can never really get to. But that the reality is your purpose is whatever the things that you are naturally talented at and that the more that you're utilizing those things, even if it's not for your job or for your money, but just even if you're just doing them for fun or volunteering or, or however you can build the muscle of your talents in your own self, that the significant comes from the impact that you make from those, from those talents. So to me, what I'm hearing you or what I would interpret what you're talking about is, is all about living your mission, living your purpose. Mm. And do you feel like by doing that, is that a harder thing to do or an easier thing to do? Well, it's harder when we try to avoid doing it. It's much easier. I mean, obviously doing the things that you're naturally talented at is much easier than forcing yourself. I think we grew up in a time where it was all about um, overcoming your weaknesses when what it should have been is str- uh, feeding your strengths. Mm. 
That's so good. You you are a great guest. <laughs> you are really good. Um, so um, I'm I'm only gonna you know I want to be mindful of time. Um, you know, I had some technical difficulties here in the beginning, but um, what would be the big takeaway if you were to say to people, um, you know, if they were gonna like you know, gosh, you know, I like Mary. She's great. <laughs> you know, like you know, in your book or in what you're doing, what would you say right now? Where do you want to draw their attention? Is it the, is it your book? Is it a course you're doing? Is it like, how, how would you say I want to lead them into this world and into this thinking? Well, I love, love, love because publishing a book was my biggest dream come true in life. And I always say, if you just if you just take a moment to go on Amazon and check out the book, Conscious Communications, read the description and a handful of reviews, you will know absolutely right away if this is the book for you or not. And if that is great, um, I welcome you to contact me in any way. And if you're not quite sure yet, you can always check out the free gifts section on my website, which is Mary Shore's S-H-O-R-E-S dot com. And of course, you can find me all over social media and every one of your listeners is welcome to join me in my Facebook group that is called Fearless Ambition. Mm, that's great. And I want to say something that earlier, uh, were you referring to Amy Duckworth? No, I have never heard of her. Um, she wrote, it was the book Grit. You, you know, so, so my, my disdain is how people will take something that I think is meaningful and then they just turn it and turn it into a trend and they leverage it to make something. So I just want to let you know when you were talking about the thing about resilience and um, what you were part of, I just want to let you know, I think you're different than that. (laughs) You know, you're, you know, and I feel that um, you are into just more meaningful stuff. So, you know, my listeners do hear from me that I can't stand when people just grab a trend, you know what I mean? And just take something and go with it because a trend is a trend, you know, like it's so funny. I, I, I was born in 1970 and I, I look at the clothes that are coming out right now, Mary, and I go, man, if I would have kept the clothes from the 80s, I wouldn't, you know, because I mean, I can still fit into them for the most part. Like I could still wear those and I wouldn't have to spend any more money. You know, you know what I mean? Because it, everything is based on trends and people are just grabbing a hold of catch things. Yeah, you know, this is good. This is like, this is my next best thing. Once again, this takes you to the place where you feel like you fail with your date with destiny, right? Hmm. It brings you back. Well, we to- could we could film a whole nother show just talk, just <laughs> busting out on the on the trends and, and the BS that exists in the world. Well, but we well, we need not- we need to do that. So I mean we do. I just, yeah. So anyways, I just want to let you know that I I just really want to make it clear that you, to me, you are definitely bringing something very different. And what's interesting is it's an, it's an incredible juxtaposition to me that, you know, starting out with money and collection agency and what you, you did and the way you talk and speak and communicate and the depth and what you you're not just fascinated with something like you employ this stuff. You've imported it into your life. You've internalized it and you are literally living it. And so I just want to let you know how much I appreciate that. So thank you so much. um, What are 12 or what are three things you're optimistic about over the next 12 months? Well, I'm turning in a second book proposal to Hay House, and that book is called The Communication Code. And I am just really optimistic about gaining even more clarity and really optimistic about all the things and the teachings and everything that's been coming to me in the world and just the people that I'm reaching. I could not be more thrilled at how everything is going. Can you give me a third one? Well, I'm I'm in a big transition period in my life, so I'm I'm optimistic about the transitions that I'm going through. Okay, that's great. That's fair enough. A little 
of course, my curiosity went boop, boop, boop. Like my radar, my radar for curiosity was like. Well, it's like transitions <laughs> from, you know, be, being a CEO for 20 years to becoming an author and having an audience. The transitions of my children being in high school and moving to college. I mean, just those those sorts of transitions. Just and, life, life, like big yeah, life li- shift. Like, life transitions in general. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Um, and the show, you know, is uphill conversations. I tell people that all the time that your current condition does not match your emerging future and it never will. Anything worth having is uphill, right? So you can't go uphill with a downhill habit. Would you be open to sharing, a, you know, a downhill habit that you had to overcome that, you know, made a great difference in your life? Well, definitely um, the habit of letting my belief systems control my choices. And so the moment that I got in control of that, things rapidly changed. Thank you so much for your time and um, your authenticity, your openness. And I really, really appreciate the fact that I can tell you are super, super smart (laughs) and you have a lot to offer. And there's no way that we can contain it in a small period of time. Um, But, man, you are an amazing guest. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. It was great being here today. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. Always remember, your current condition does not match your emerging future. And anything worth having is uphill, but you cannot go uphill with downhill habits. Always remember, you can be more, do more, and have more. Your reasons for being, doing, and having are for you to figure out and nobody else. But most importantly, you will see people like me and Mary on the Hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the Hill.